Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. My name is Aaron Varner. I have the wonderful privilege of being the senior pastor here. We're glad and excited that you've joined with us this morning. In just a moment, Vince is going to come and he's going to play um, a song for us, uh, a song of reflection, um, meditation to be able to think through um, a time that we're going to celebrate called communion. And um, as Andrew mentioned earlier, if you didn't get one, um, you'll want to kind of slip to the back and you can get one from the table and we'll partake of the bread uh, and the juice, both of them representing um, something that is really, really important. The bread being the body of Jesus Christ and the juice representing the blood of Jesus. And so we take in remembrance of him. This morning I was sitting on my porch uh, having my time alone with the Lord and um, came across this verse and I thought it was really pertinent to what we're going to, to partake of here in just a moment. And it's up on the screen for you to follow along, and I want to read it for you. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, the problem is all of us have turned away from God. All of us run our own ways. That's because we are born with a sinful nature. It, it's a heart condition that each one of us are born with. And because of that, we go our own direction. That's the problem. We're full of sin, each one of us. Not one better than the other. We're all sinners. Isaiah says it here very clear. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, all of us, to our own way. That's the problem, the condition. Here's the cure. The cure is this. The Lord has laid on him, who? Jesus. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sin of us all. And so upon Jesus, God laid all of our sin on isn't that amazing? We have a condition. That condition is a heart problem, a sin problem, iniquity. We've all missed the mark. And yet God put all of our iniquity and sin upon Jesus' shoulders so that we could be healed, so that we could have life eternal. As Vince plays, I want to encourage you, would you reflect on your heart? Would you reflect on your life? If there's sin in your life, repent of it. 1 John 1.9 says it very clearly. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. God desires to forgive us, but he wants us to claim it, to say, yes, I am a sinner, and this is what I've done, God, before you. I'm proudful. I'm arrogant. What is it in your life 
as you have time here to reflect, I encourage you. God knows your heart. And some people say, well, why do you need to pray? Why do I need to confess it if God already knows it? Because he loves to hear it from you. He wants you to admit it and say, yes, God, I have sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? All of our sin was put upon Jesus upon the cross. He paid for it all. Our past, our present, our future sin. He paid the price. And because of that, we also get to rejoice. And so thank him as you not only reflect upon your heart and confess, rejoice. Thank the Lord for the price that was paid for us. When Vince is done, then we'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll, we'll partake together.
Thank you, Vince. It's the wonder of it all that Christ would die for us. Your cup has two different layers. The first is where this uh, meaty piece of styrofoam is. Somebody suggested that we put these in the fridge to help. I don't know if it'll help or not. They were in the fridge. I don't think you can make this taste any better. It's not about tasting good, though. As uh, Paul says at the end of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he says, if you're hungry, eat at home. Let me just tell you, if you're looking for satisfaction out of this, you're not going to get it. But that satisfaction, you can eat at home. It's what this represents. And in the early church, um, Paul gave instruction of what this was to look like. And he says to eat and drink in a worthy manner. So we come this morning not holding this lightly because what this represents is truly, truly important. And so what you hold is, I don't know if it's bread, but it's something like bread but what it represents, the broken body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we will eat and partake of it, remembering that Jesus came and that he died for you and for me. And so if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, and your heart is right with the Lord, you eat and you eat freely, remembering and rejoicing. If you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you, you can trust him today. And the broken body and his shed blood was poured out for you so that you could have eternal life with him forever. We partake, and Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So what this cup represents is a new covenant. This new covenant, in order for a covenant for a covenant to take place, there had to be a shedding of blood. And so the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, his blood was poured out so that this covenant would take effect. It was God's covenant through grace. It was a covenant saying, I've sent my perfect son to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. We read that in Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way, but he laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ died for us. This blood, this juice represents his blood, the new covenant. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. It is a wonder. 
that you would love us so much. We're not deserving. And yet we continue to see your love poured out and displayed not only through Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, but we see the evidence all around us each day. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this way by remembering what you've paid. You paid the full price that we owed. Thank you that we are called your children. Not only children, we are joint heirs. We thank you for that great privilege. We pray now, Lord, that you would open our minds and open our hearts that we may hear from you, that your spirit would work freely in us and amongst us, that we may take the truth of your word and that we would apply it to our lives as we live it. May we not just be hearers now of your word, but may we be doers of it as well. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. Today we'll finish um, the ninth chapter of Acts. One of my children, I won't say who, I won't put them underneath the bus, but one of them said, Dad, it's going to take you quite a long time to finish the book of Acts the way you're going. And I said, I have no rush. There's no reason to rush through. So hopefully that doesn't bore you. I hope to be um, uh, true to the word and true to the spirit of God as he teaches us and shows us. Uh, This morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43. Um, and uh, excited about just digging in this, in this passage as we look at Peter. Um, we were looking at Paul. Dr. Luke writes uh, Paul's transformation as he has an encounter with the living Jesus and how then uh, that Saul, Paul, um, then moves and is sharing the gospel message um, that Jesus is the Son of God And then he's going to now shift back from Saul, Paul, back to Peter. And so as we look at Peter, we're going to read this passage and then we'll kind of walk through it and give us um, hopefully some application of how we can live it out. So if you would follow along with me, 9, chapter 9, Acts 9, verses 32 through 43. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when, they, when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And the widows stood beside him weeping showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. 
But Peter put them all outside, knelt down, and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. As we walk through this, there's two, two episodes, right, that we see here. That Peter, um, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and God working through Peter, where Peter um, performs a miracle. And the first is this man named uh, Aeneas. Aeneas is, uh, is a man who had been bedridden for eight years. So it wasn't something from birth. Um, but it was something that must, he, he might have had an accident, something, uh, he might have been stricken with an illness, but he was paralyzed. And for the last eight years, he had lived with this condition. And so we see um, Peter, as he has an encounter with Ananias, um, he comes and he says very clearly, Jesus Christ heals you. And so in that, um, it's very definite who um, is doing the action. It's not Peter. Peter doesn't, doesn't claim the power. Peter doesn't claim the authority. He makes it very clear who this is all about, and it's about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ heals you. Then he says, rise and make your bed. Now, for all of you children who don't want to make your bed, it's in the Bible. All right, we might take it a little bit out of context, but you should make your bed every day. See, it says it. Make your bed. Very clearly, uh, what Peter is saying, listen, you are, have been healed in the power of Jesus Christ. Rise up, make your bed, because you will no longer need it. You're no longer going to need to lay here, because now God has restored you. And so in that, we see that immediately he arose, he got up, he was healed immediately, and then we see the effects of that. Um, both of these stories are parallel in how they are laid out and the action that's taken. And so what we see at the end of this section, verse 35, it says, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. And so the working of Peter in healing this man had a direct effect to others seeing him and them coming to trust Jesus as their Savior. Now let's look at the second episode. second episode is a disciple of Jesus, uh, a believer uh, named Tabitha. And uh, that's her Aramaic name, her, um, what she would translate it. Um, is Dorcas, they both, Greek is Dorcas, they both mean gazelle, both Aramaic and Greek. And so here is this woman, uh, and she had died. She was a true servant of God, and she exhibited by her actions, by her attitude. Um, and we see that even as the widows show Peter, hey, here's this, here are these tunics, here's the garments that she made for us that she sacrificed to give us. And so this disciple of God, who was full of good works and charity, had died. Again, be reminded, death is very real. 
and it doesn't, it doesn't exempt us who follow God. Death is real for all of us. We will one day all die unless Jesus first returns, which we pray he does. We see evidence that he's coming, and so we pray that he does. But if he doesn't, we're going to each die. And so just because we're a believer and Jesus doesn't exempt us from a flesh earth death. So we see the widows and uh, those who are around her there in um, Joppa send word for Peter. They hear that, this, that Peter's in Lydda, so they send word for him. He comes to Joppa. And so he comes, and uh, we see him come to the upper room. And there he is, and they're all weeping, and uh, he, he sends them all out. And so as he sends them out, um, he kneels. He kneels down, and he prays. And the power of God, again, is exhibited through Peter. And he says, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when, he, when she saw Peter, uh, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and helped raise her up. I don't know about you, but that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Imagine yourself being in that upper room. You're weeping and crying because one of your friends have died. Peter's there. You don't know what's going to happen. You've heard stories, but you maybe you probably have not been an eyewitness yet of Peter's power, the, the power of the Spirit working through Peter. Peter sends everybody out. So you're outside wondering and waiting and saying, what's going to happen? Here, then Peter calls for the saints and he calls for the widows and he presents her alive. What a miracle. And so we see the effect of that then being this, verse 42, and it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. When God works in miraculous ways, it isn't just for the individual or individuals. It has a tremendous effect on others as well. And it reminds me that God places the right people at the right time to do his right will. And so what we see here is God using Peter in these two instances to be at the right place to do the right thing so it will show that God ultimately in his power and his will is right. And so when we look at that for application of our lives, you need to understand and be reminded this morning that, that God has you placed where you are. And he may not use you to heal someone who is paralyzed. He may not use you to bring someone back to life. But God has a plan to use you and to show his power through you. And so understand and know that where you are and where God will place you today and tomorrow and the days ahead... God has his perfect will, and part of his will is to show his power through you. The question is, will you allow him to show his power through you? What often happens is 
I try to show my power where I'm at. It's pretty clear Peter is not about himself. It's not about what he wants to do or his power. He's calling, he's praying, he's trusting that the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ will have a tremendous and dynamic effect upon these two people. That's the call for us as Christ followers. To be in the place at the right time showing his power. Now, unfortunately, I think so many of us live as Christ followers without understanding what kind of power lives inside of us. So I want to show you two different verses, two different sections. The first is written by Paul in Ephesians, but then we're going to look at a verse in, in, in Peter that Peter writes because Peter's the one that we see this power being poured out of. And that, that power is important as we see this character, that this isn't just some imaginary character that is bigger than life, that he's a real man who has his own faults and struggles. Um, actually, Paul calls him on the carpet in Galatians and gets in his face for an error in his teaching uh, with the believers. So Peter has his faults, and we know that, and yet the power of God is evident and real in him in that same power he's going to talk about as we live as Christ followers. So the first passage I want us to quickly look at is Ephesians 3. And it'll be up on the screen, but you can write it down if you want next to this passage um, so that it kind of reminds you to go and look about the power, the power that lives inside of you and me. And so we see here in Ephesians 3.16, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Folks, the power of God works in us. And God desires to work not only in us, but also through us. That power is available to you today. And again, I'm not telling you that you're going to go out and you're going to heal people or that you're going to go out and you're going to resurrect people. I do believe that God desires to show his power through us, though. We are his ambassadors called to represent him to a lost and dying world. We are to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus Christ. That power lives inside of us. And so when we read these ep this episode of these two encounters that Peter has, don't place it on such high standard and say, oh, that's so cool that God used Peter and, and the Holy Spirit. Man, I could never be like that. The living God 
lives inside of you and me, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, that same power lives inside of us. And we have that great opportunity to display that. And again, it may not be working the miracles that Peter and the early church did. God used that to show the authority and the power of God that this was the truth in a day and a time where there was this this change of the new covenant that we just um, celebrated this morning, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he had come, the power and authority needed to be shown to say this is the truth. We hear the truth. We have the truth today in the word of God. But God still can, if he desires and if he wishes, to display his power however he wishes And so be careful that you don't set him in a box and say, well, God only works in this way. I would caution you. Now, I will not be handling snakes this morning to test God. That's not how I roll, number one. I don't like snakes. It's the only animal I don't care for. I I dislike them greatly. And I have biblical evidence of why snakes are not good. So, Back a few months ago when we, this whole quarantine started, one of my children, and I won't say who, but he started doing some research on snakes. And I came home, and Lisa said he spent all day looking up YouTube videos and exploring how he could care for snakes. And I just clearly told him, bud, I love you, but as long as you're in my house, we are not going to have a snake. I'm not going to display that kind of arrogance to try to hold and handle things um, that, that are going to bite me. I do believe, though, that we, that, that, that we walk around failing to realize how much power God really has given us. And that doesn't mean we go vocal and we start yelling and hollering. Instead, the Bible says to be meek and to be humble. The Bible says to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And so this power comes from the spirit of God that indwells you and me. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter, the one that we just read, these miraculous events that God worked through him, this is what he has to say. He says, God's, Jesus, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The divine power, Jesus' divine power has granted to us all the things that we need in life in order to live a life of godliness so that we could have the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. That power resides in you and me. So this morning, let me encourage you. We do not walk as people who have no power. There's a passage we do not mourn as those who have no hope. We have great hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. We don't walk around powerless today. 
Our power comes from the spirit of God that indwells in us. Will you spend time with God seeking to seek him to see how he wants to use that power through you? How he wants to display his glory? Sometimes that's seen in ways that we don't want to use it. Sometimes that's seen through weakness. Sometimes that's seen in sickness in trials and difficulties. It's not always about being healed or being resurrected. Sometimes his power is shown greatest as we walk through the trials and the hardships of life and we display his glory and we give him praise. God is worthy to be trusted. God is worthy to be followed He's worthy to be obeyed. And I encourage you to spend time with him this week. He desires nothing more than for you to walk with him and for you to know him more. I pray that we will continue to do that, that we will know him more day by day by day, that we'll experience the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. Will you pray with me, Lord? Thank you for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity that you've given us to gather. I thank you for each one that's here in this place this morning, that you've given us the opportunity to gather in person. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them and protect them. Lord, I thank you for each one that has joined us online. Lord, for the opportunity that we can, that we can have as we worship as brothers and sisters uh, across the globe. What, what a privilege, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, may you protect us as we walk with you Help us to see your amazing power and and to know and to be reminded that you put us in the right place, having contact with the right people at the right time, Lord, to ultimately show your love and your grace, your power, your power that's changed and transformed our lives. Lord, we have not saved ourselves. Forgive us when we try to live by our own power. You've saved us. It's by your grace we are saved through faith. It's not by our own works. Unless we would boast. We can't boast today, Lord. We humbly fall on our faces realizing that you, that you, God, the perfect God creator who has placed us here on this earth and all of your perfection has displayed your love and has allowed us to experience the forgiveness that's found through Jesus Christ. And in so doing, you've given us the gift of the spirit of God that lives inside of us. And so Lord, help us to walk in your power this week that we may walk in godliness, that we would be the best ambassadors that we can be for the cause of Jesus Christ. For you, Lord, thank you for the relationship that you continue to desire. Lord, I just pray for, maybe there's one listening or one here today who's kind of been running away from you. Maybe they're living in fear, maybe they're living... um, in their own power and their own strength and, and 
Lord, they're tired, they're weary. And I just pray that your spirit would minister to them. That they would know how much you love them and how much you care for them. How there is nothing that will separate them from your love. You desire for them to come back to you. And I pray that they will. Minister to their heart. Encourage them, Lord. May we continue to walk faithfully so that you get all the glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll dismiss you uh, row by row. Thank you for being here today. To God be the glory, and may you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week.